Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, formerly known as Nonprofit U. Our podcast is an extension of our community, and we provide a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm the founder of Nonprofit Utopia, the ideal community for emerging nonprofit leaders. We provide a safe space for you to improve your leadership skills while building a high-impact organization through networking, professional development, and training. You can find out more about us on nonprofitutopia.com, Facebook, and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often. And if you so choose, you can actually join us. We're a membership organization. That membership ID is nonprofitutopia.mn.co. And you should know that this is a social show, and we ask that you share the link to today's episode in your networks as we speak. Today's hashtags are Nonprofit Utopia, Partnership Pitfalls, and Best Practices for Partnerships. And if you're listening to a recording, we ask you to do the same. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit utopia, whether you're listening live or to the recording. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. And you can also email me questions at ValerieFLeonard at nonprofitutopia.com. For obvious reasons, I'm not going to be able to respond to you as we speak, but if you email me, I promise you I will get back to you, and if you're listening to this as a recording, you won't see the chat room. In fact, anyone who participates in the chat, don't worry about your comments in the chat room being out there. As soon as we hang up, the chat room will disappear, and so will your comments. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about 2.30. We'll be taking questions between 2.30 and the time that we end. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. And we encourage you to sign up for our mailing list to keep abreast of the latest developments with the nonprofit Utopia community. Didn't have a chance to upload those links, but hang on after the show. I will make sure those links are included. So it seems like everybody is talking about how important it is for organizations to work together. Foundations who are seeing a growing demand for their resources, but they want to see a greater impact for their donations encourage organizations to work collaboratively around key issue areas, geography, and target groups. Elected officials alike like to see stakeholders come together and tackle problems that plague the community. After all, it takes a village to raise a child, and probably several villages to save the world. Organizations work collaboratively to share the workload, strengthen organizational capacity, share lessons learned, and create synergies around new and existing programs. And when I say synergies, I'm saying that the sum of the parts is less than the whole. So in other words, one plus one equals 
three, so you get more as a group and a collaborative than any one of those groups can do individually and you add up the total. So what we don't talk about so much are the potential pitfalls and vulnerabilities of partnerships. I like to call these the soft underbelly of collaboration. They include such things as inequitable compensation and disability for collaborators in proportion to their contributions, financial risks, exceeding potential rewards, broken relationships, and lack of accountability. And this is to name only a few. For every collaboration, I can guarantee you there are an individual and unique set of problems. Like marriage, collaborations are not to be entered into unadvisedly. For every successful collaboration of which I've been a part, I can name several more that have failed for one reason or another. Through the good, the bad, and the ugly, I've learned valuable lessons, and I'd like to share some of those with you. And I've asked Willie Cole, the director of STARS Tutoring, to join us, and together we'll talk about some of the best practices and lessons learned along the way as they relate to collaboration on community-based initiatives. We'll talk about balancing the interests of the collaborative and its partners, various partnership models, and ways to bring about clarity, focus, and accountability. But before we get into our discussion, I'd like to ask Willie to tell us about herself, some about her background, and her work. So, Willie, take it from there. Hi, Valerie. Thank you for inviting me on today. I really appreciate this opportunity and this conversation. It's forcing me to look back on the things that I've done in my career and see where I was, in fact, collaborating or when I was going it alone, if you will. I'm currently, as you mentioned, the director of STARS Tutoring, which is actually a ministry of my church on the south side of Chicago. That ministry has been operating for about 16, 17 years now, and I've been leading it for maybe the last seven years. But prior to that, I've worked in philanthropy, for a couple of foundations in the city, and I've also worked um, for the Board of um, Education, Chicago's Board of Education, both at the community level, running a school, and also as an administrator. And prior to that, I've done some work as a uh, news reporter, so I've done a little bit of everything related to the communities. Okay, awesome, awesome. So, Willie, thank you so much for being on today's podcast. It is indeed an honor and privilege to have you as our guest. And today's topics remind me of our time working together in North Lawndale. You were a program officer and a senior program officer with the Staines Family Foundation, and I was serving a dual role. I was the director of the Small Grants Initiative, but reporting to the Staines Family Foundation, you know, in a somewhat um, similar role as you, program officer. Um, but what I have found is with collaboration, and I'm sure you'll agree, everything rises and falls on leadership. So let's talk about some of the characteristics of the people that you think are great collaborators. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really is key. And oftentimes 
Um, people think that the director of an organization is automatically the best person to be to represent that organization in a partnership or collaboration, and sometimes that's not the case. People have individual strengths that play into the success of working with other groups outside of their normal realm. And key to me, there are, there are you know, maybe four or five things that I'll touch on. I think the one who's representing the organization within a collaboration should come uh, being humble, letting go of their ego, mm-hmm. and not thinking mm-hmm. that because perhaps the organization is big, that they are entering into this relationship as the big dog so to speak. <laughs> so that's important that they be be willing to humble yes, themselves yes. and to see everyone else at the table as someone who has something equal to give and so that they are coming in curious, asking questions, you know, not thinking that they know everything, but willing to, to listen, to understand and learn quickly and then to ask the questions that will maybe move the work forward. Uh, identifying what the missing links are, as well as pointing out the strengths and existing links. Um, mm-hmm. Those would be key, as well as being a good convener, someone who is able to uh, keep the purpose and the goals before the whole group and not get sidetracked, uh, being able mm-hmm. to build consensus and um, has respect for the community and the knowledge that the people around the table uh, bring. And then when things get rough, being able to negotiate those tough issues, if you will, being able to debate or argue without things blowing up or taking things um, personal when, you know, you should always keep it um, on a professional level. And being able to be flexible, knowing that things aren't going to go at the timeline that you mm-hmm. hope they would go in. So being able to be flexible and say, okay, this is taking more time than we anticipated, so let's readjust and let's refocus, you know, keeping things on track. And then you're always going to need someone who is um, very aware of time management and organization that mm-hmm. you need to know who's keeping the paperwork, who's keeping the filing, who's going to be responsible for communicating out as well as receiving information in and sharing Mm -hmm. that. And then the big part, I think, is having people at the table who are passionate about the work that you are addressing. That is very key to me. So those are some of the things that Mm -hmm. um, I think are important character traits of the leaders. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. And as you were going through that, I you know, I thought to myself, you know, in addition to everything that you just listed, um, you know, what are some other characteristics? Um, and you mentioned people, you know, who are task-oriented, even though you didn't um, really call it that. Um, but people who are willing to actually do the work of documenting and holding people accountable. And I, I think you kind of missed mm-hmm. that with some right. of the things that that you said. And I think, too, people who are willing to work with other types of people, um, and when I say that, people who might have different skills, people who may have different backgrounds, 
because what I find is we have a tendency to be very, very comfortable with people and who are just like ourselves. And, you know, I will count myself among them. But I think some of your best collaborators and best collaborations have actually come from people who are not what we would call homogeneous or all the same, all from similar backgrounds, not insular, but people who are different in terms of their skills, in terms of their backgrounds. And, and I know, you know, this was one of your pet peeves when you were a program officer. You like to always hear different perspectives. You know, if you've got a singular perspective coming out of a group, you always were the one, I guess it's your journalistic training or maybe it's just your personality, <laughs> but you were always one. I remember to push back and in so doing, you would always encourage people to, to the greater good. And I, always, I think that's a strength that you have as a person, as a leader, and I think that is one of the hallmarks of a great collaborator in my humble opinion. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. I, I think the, if we were to sum that up, perhaps the word we're, we're looking for is people who are respectful of others. You know, mm-hmm. um, if you want respect, then you have to show respect. It, and sometimes respect has to be earned. And that's key, that the person who is the convener or facilitating um, the group or any particular meeting that takes place needs to be able to show respect to everyone who's at the table, mm-hmm. everyone who's in the room. Um, and that way he will, she will get the same respect back, I believe. So I always try mm-hmm. to do that because, as you know, with, with, with foundations, uh, a lot of people give due respect just because they're representing a foundation and they haven't earned. You don't know what kind of individual characteristics or, or mm. you know, you know, what they are or who they are individually just because they're saying, oh, I represent a foundation, you really mm-hmm. need to be able to get to know them on a personal level uh, so that you can then build that trust. Because that's going to be important, especially if it's a long-term collaboration that you're going into. Yes, yes, yes. That That is a wonderful way, wonderful way to sum up this segment. And you know, I just want to take a little break here to remind you, you meaning our audience, that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Willie C. Cole. She's the director of STARS Tutoring, which is a ministry at her church. Is it St. John Baptist? St. John Church Baptist in Bronzeville. Okay, St. John in Bronzeville in Chicago on the south side. We will be taking questions from our listening audience in the chat room at about the 30-minute mark. In fact, if you're listening now and you have access to the chat room, you can go ahead and start posting your questions right now. And one thing, too, that we've noticed, we've noticed that our international audience is growing, and we'd like our podcast guests to reflect views from around the world. If you're listening from a country other than the United States, and you know of heads of NGOs that we should consider having on the show, please contact us at info at nonprofitutopia.com. And I want to remind you that at 2.30, you can call in at 347-884-8121. We would love to hear 
some of your stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Just don't mention any names. And we are really, really um, focused on looking at some of the issues that you may have had in your own professional life with collaboration and some of the issues that you address. You know, how did you solve whatever those problems were? And if there's some issues that you have that you seem to feel stuck, you know, throw it out there in the universe. Willie and I will do our best to respond. And if there's someone else in the audience who might have a response, they can post in the chat room or they can give us a call at 347-884-8121. So at this point, we want to talk about collaborators to avoid at all all costs, if you can. Sometimes you're in a work situation and, you know, the worst collaborator may be the boss. So (laughs) you can't necessarily avoid that situation. But if you could, you know, these are the types of collaborators you want to avoid if you are creating what in your mind would be the ideal situation. You know, I, I can look back at my own experience, and I've been at this for many years, many, many, many years um, in one form or fashion. I think we as human beings have been at collaboration all of our lives, be it in the professional or the personal. But when I look at the people who were the worst collaborators, Willie, they were people who could not put their own self-interest or their own organization self-interest, and I think you kind of touched on that, above the good of the the group. And in so doing, mm-hmm. it created a lot of tension. Um, right. I think other bad actors are people who would try to hijack the process, you know, and not give people their due respect, as you indicated, or their due due credit. They're trying to take credit for the work of the whole collaborative. You know, it's always I, I, I. And what they say, there is no I in team. But, you know, it would always be, you know, the big eyes and the little U's. You know, those are some of the worst collaborators. Other um, bad collaborators I found were people who didn't reciprocate. You know, they just came to the collaboration and sucked all the information they could and didn't give back. You know, you couldn't tap into their network. They, you know, if there was any fundraising, they didn't do any fundraising and all that good stuff. So I'm curious, really, you know, in your years of working with collaborators, you know, who would you say are the ones that we should avoid at all costs? Um, it, it just speaks to knowing uh, the people and who you're working with, and I, I think you're probably going to be talking later on about vetting, you know, your, your mm-hmm. partners, and that works as well with, with the individual leaders, you know, what's their reputation? Um, are they being transparent and honest, or are they people who want to work behind the scenes once the, the meeting's over? you know, and trying to get the upper hand on something. You, you want to watch out for those. And, and people who aren't able to deliver, they do a lot of talking, but uh, <laughs> when it comes down to getting the work done, 
they're not to be found. You know, there's always an excuse or they're missing the deadlines or they're passing the blame on to someone else. You don't need blamers. You need people who are going to be honest. If a ball is dropped, they, you know, they're going to be the first ones to admit it and make you aware of it so that someone else can step in and pick up any slack that um, um, has come about because, you know, the ball that they dropped. So I, mm-hmm. I think that's, that's important that you don't need anyone who's working behind the scenes, that people are being transparent with their intentions and with their work efforts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And two, um, the, the type of people that you bring, you know, as you mentioned that word, transparent, I, you know, I thought about core values. Um, there mm-hmm. is an interesting thing about core values. We as groups, we as organizations, we all carry with us our individual core values. And then we come together and we have a stated set of core values that we say as a group publicly, this is what we agree on. I find that some of the worst collaborators are people who will agree to that negotiated, stated set of core values, but then they act in ways that are contrary. And the truth of the matter is the group begins to take on the characteristics of whoever the leaders are, the dominant players. Mm. And if there Mm -hmm. is a difference between what is stated and what actually happens, you know, that causes a problem. You know, so I think it goes to what you were saying about transparency. You know, if we don't know your intentions, we don't know the real you, right? Um, It it makes it very difficult to collaborate with you. And I think people are somewhat reluctant to state their own self-interest. Mm-hmm. Right. And, so, it, you know, collaboration, sometimes the, the leader of a particular organization is not able to be the one at the table during the discussion points. And so they'll send a representative, uh, and that person needs to be picked very carefully. Um, and that person also can sometimes be undermined if, in fact, the leader of the organization is not honest and trustworthy. And, and I don't know how to mm-hmm. how to say it, but I've I've been in that situation where I represented a mm-hmm. big organization, and I'm going out to the community trying to build trust, and um, you know their reputation precedes mm-hmm. me, and it undermines me, and I tell them, no, no, mm-hmm. this person isn't like that. You can trust them, really, 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 only to find out that, you know, the community folks who were apprehensive, they were in fact right all along. And so you get caught in the middle because you're trying to mm-hmm. establish a relationship of honesty and you're trying to be transparent, but unbeknownst to you, someone, um, the leader of the organization, is in fact undermining you uh, behind mm-hmm. the scenes. And you really don't right. have any way to counter that, you know. But I think that, that really influences mm-hmm. the collaboration, and that's something that needs to be discussed up front you know, who's mm-hmm. being sent to represent the organization and what weight do they carry and so forth. Oh, I love it. I love it. I, I love your transparency, Willie. I, I, I really do. And 
And I can tell you when we were working, when we were working together in Lawndale, you were always very real. You didn't always tell us what we wanted to hear, but you told <laughs> us the, you told us the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts, and, and I can appreciate it, and I've learned a lot as a result, and I thank you so much. And we've been in contact after all these years. It's been several years since we worked together, um, I guess, as employees, as coworkers. But um, right. we've been working together all that time. So thank you. Praise God. Indeed. Okay, so Willie, you uh, are the, one of those touchy topics you like to talk about sometimes uh, collaborations gone wrong and do postmortem. Well, I'll step out of your way and let you talk about some of the collaborations gone wrong. Well, that's a that's a hard one because I I, I really try very hard um, to get things right, and even if the outcome is not something that um, I made a hope for, you know, or the mm-hmm. organization that I was representing hope for that you look for what good can we pull out of something. You know, I found mm-hmm. that um, the, the, to me, one of the most difficult sectors to work in is in education because there are so many players. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, oftentimes you need to build a collaboration at the community level with different schools uh, as well mm-hmm. as perhaps the, um, the board you know, the, the administrative mm-hmm. offices. And at the school levels, what I find um, something that you can't control, let's say if you've got a collaboration with multiple schools, well, each one of those schools have a different uh, school leader, a principal, and some school mm-hmm. leaders are collaborators, you know, and they've got some major strength that you can build on and they can bring to the the collaboration. And others are not as strong. And they're at the table when the strength of their school leadership group is back in the school building. So how do you compensate Mm -hmm. for that? Is that that making sense? Yeah, You've got a strong principal at one school and you may have a weak principal at another school but they're both mm-hmm. at the table representing their schools and you don't find out until you're into the the relationship that perhaps, you know, one school leader, one school is stronger than the other. So how do you, how do you compensate when everyone is, you know, mm-hmm. supposed to be contributing equally? Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Okay. So what, what I'm trying yeah, to say? yeah, it does. So, so when you say weak, are you saying that, the principal who is quote unquote weak is not contributing or is he or she politically weakened because of the dynamic, you know, within the collaboration because of the dynamics that he or she may be facing with the board of education. And then you, in your desire to even things out and make things quote unquote equitable, you may give a little bit more time 
and attention to the weaker ones so you can balance out the internal politics? Or are you saying that you, from your vantage point, have to figure out how this weaker principal who is not contributing doesn't weaken the collaborative? Does, does that make sense? I, 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 I guess yes. I think it's it's a little mm-hmm. bit of both, but certainly the former, you know, because sometimes when you represent a major organization, um, such as the Board of Ed, and I, you know, um, this is just the, the the way it is. You're you yourself are not privy to all the things that are going on behind the scenes and who's connected to whom, and mm-hmm. if there are any hidden agendas. You don't know about that. You you know, you're going in mm-hmm. thinking that. Um, what you've been asked to do, the collaboration you've been asked to build, is the truth, you know, and it's for the good of all involved. So that's the former piece, that you don't know what's going on school to board, school to administrators. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was, I was initially thinking about, and weaker was probably the wrong word, uh, different mm-hmm. leadership styles, I should say, is what I was initially mm-hmm. talking about that may impact the collaboration because some principals can sit at the table and they can speak for their school because they are the top decision maker. That's their style. Other principals mm-hmm. will come to the table and their style, even in their school building is more collaborative. And so they're going to be reluctant to say we will, you know, or I can mm-hmm. because it's their style to go back and share it with their team of leaders. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Because yeah, they're not yeah, there like, to, to go back to the school and just mm-hmm. shove something down to say, you've got to look at it, how this opportunity will impact what goes on in the school, and that's their priority. And I totally understand mm-hmm. that now. But uh, you have mm-hmm. to consider that going in. Um, you know, lessons learned for me when I was trying to build collaborations with schools involved that they mm-hmm. don't just unequal, the different leadership styles, not a necessarily mm-hmm. a negative way. So weaker was the wrong was the wrong word. I apologize for that. Any school leaders out there, I've I've met nothing but really great uh, school leaders, but I recognize that they have a different approach to how they lead their uh, their school building and how they lead their team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get it. I get it. And as for me, you know, I can think, you know, when I was running, you know, small grants, you know, as part of the Staines Family Foundation, we were, you know, from time to time we would give out grants for groups of people to collaborate. And I can remember, you know, trying to, you know, make sure that, you know, we thought of everything that could potentially go wrong (laughs) and put that in the grant agreement to try to reinforce collaboration. But what I found out is uh, in spite of those grant agreements, which are legal documents, if people are not willing to collaborate, they won't. So I'm finding that collaboration is you know, not only always a um, legal matter, but again, as we talked about, everything rises and falls <laughs> on leadership. So Mm-hmm. Some of the collaborations that I've seen fall apart. Um, in many instances, it 
hinged on leadership, the, the person in charge not really being able to uh, to rein in the group so that they could all move in a direction that would would lead to some some result. You know, for a number mm-hmm. of reasons that we have talked about before. Yeah, and I think the it's the strongest leader is the one who's willing to recognize what's going on and, you know, make a decision. You know, is it best for me to continue? Is it best for me to step aside and someone else can step into my, to my role, you know, because when you, mm-hmm. you have strife within an organization, it can lead to a positive, but it can also, you know, leave you hanging on and not moving forward and nothing gets accomplished. So it's, it's good to have um, a leader or leaders, if you will, who are recognizing what's going on to say, let's, mm-hmm. let's hold up. Let's, let's put things in order because this is not working. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Oh, because if, you know, okay, if, so, if your organization mm-hmm. is, is, is not working this time around and um, you pull out, there may down the road, five, ten years down the road, maybe come an opportunity that would be very beneficial to you and the community that you serve. Um, but you've got this bad taste in your mouth from this prior um, experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have to be mindful of that. You know, am I staying in the game too long or is it time for me to, to step outside and, and still wish you well? Mm-hmm. And if there's anything I can do, you know, I'll do it, but not in a formal way. Right. And that takes a very strong leader, I think. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to the Nonprofit Utopia podcast, and we're speaking with Willie Cole, Director of STARS Tutoring. We'll now take questions from our listening audience, and you can do this through the chat room or you can call in. The phone number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121, and you can chat. Um, You can post a comment. Um, and if you do post a comment, you know, please indicate your name and where you're from. And if you have any questions, please share the questions. If you have any comments, share the comments. If you have lessons learned that you'd like to share, please share those. And then I, in turn, will see them and address uh, address them on the air. So when I look at Willie, you know, some of the lessons that I've learned, and God knows I've I've learned a lot the (laughs) hard way. (laughs) You're you're laughing because you remember me. Sometimes that's the best way to learn because it's going to stick with you. Oh, yeah. Well, stick with you, stick to you. (laughs) So, (laughs) yeah, they stuck it to me in many ways. But one of the things but sometimes I gave as I got to, so it takes two. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I learned a lot. And one of the things that I've learned the hard way is to understand your self-interest, you know. Um, be honest about what it is you want to 
to get out of any collaboration, you know, for yourself professionally, for your organization, helping to achieve your professional goals and aspirations for yourself and for your organization. And balance those against everyone else's needs, wants, and interests. And be honest. And and I think where we have problems is that's not laid out from the beginning. You know, I've I've gone through uh, collaborations, many collaborations, doing the right thing for the right community in my own mind and just assuming that because I worked so hard and because I looked out for other people and made sure their interests and needs were met and I promoted them, I brought resources to them, their organization, that they would do the same for me. That didn't happen. The only time mm-hmm. that happens, unfortunately, I mean, you shouldn't have to ask people to reciprocate, but, uh, you know, to me it should be natural, but they don't do it. And another lesson that I learned is the importance of understanding your worth, your value. What are you contributing to the collaboration? And and make sure that people actually acknowledge it. They may not be able to pay you, but I think it's very important that uh, we acknowledge one another's contribution. I can remember working with a group of people. I gave them 1,900 hours of high, 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 very high quality work, in my opinion, and probably theirs too. Um, but they won't admit it. They they will not give me credit. They refuse to acknowledge any of the work that I've done, refuse to put my name on anything in spite of the fact that I laid the groundwork for them. I developed much of the infrastructure. I raised much of the money that they still enjoy, did marketing for them, did websites and all that good stuff. And, you know, I could put a dollar value on that, you know, upwards of 160000 you know, if I were to, you know, put the hourly rate and the deliverable rate. You know, I'm not talking about, you know, just doing car washes and all that stuff. I'm talking about very high-quality work that I would have done in my consulting business, but I forsook my consulting business help them out, um, mm-hmm. but they did not see any value, literally no value in any of the work. And that that was a painful lesson that I shall never, ever forget. So, and how, and, how, would you, and how would you change that now if you're entering that same, you know, similar situation, similar group? Is that something that you can avoid by establishing some expectations or actually, you know, mm-hmm. talking about guidelines and, you know, expectations going in before you start the work, would that help? Yeah, I, I think that would help tremendously. And even legal um, consultation, you know, you mm-hmm. would think, you know, I, I've done a lot of work in the community where people just do work because they love the community. And you know, in, and for me, I would hope that leadership would bubble up to the top, right? And then we would just go mm-hmm. from there. But, you know, you, I learned the hard way. You don't take chances like that because leadership bubbling up could really be a takeover, right? 
you know, bubbling up behind right. your back, figuring out, <laughs> figuring out how they're going to take over. And because I did not, and I'm not the only one that this has happened to, but because I did not look at this from a business perspective. And, you know, anybody knows me knows that I have a very legalistic mind, even though I'm not a lawyer, that, that's just the way I'm wired. Um, I would counsel against everything that I do, you know, when I have a professional client, right? Um, Mm -hmm. because I love the work so much. So I would have set expectations. I would have put together a legally binding document even in advance of any money coming in because once the money comes in, once you position people to be in a position to receive and from a legal standpoint they have a higher standing than you, then it's game over. You're relying on them to be as nice to you as you were to them. And, and I'm finding that people, even those who say they're Christians, um, are not going to necessarily be nice. So, so, yeah, I should have put something in writing. It should have been a meeting of the minds, put down on paper. It should have been a legally binding document that would talk about the scopes of work, that would talk about what would happen in the event that, you know, this thing that didn't have any money all of a sudden was funded. It would talk about the roles and responsibilities. It would talk about intellectual property. You know, I I developed marketing materials, collateral materials, a lot of intellectual property that technically has no ownership because, this is stuff that is done under an entity that is that no you know that doesn't exist right so right i learned <laughs> i learned the hard way so i i would need to um develop you know you know get a meeting of minds to to really understand you know how compensation works how uh, decision making works who's in charge even though you're in charge and people can see you know, finagle a way to wrestle the thing out from under you. Um, com- you know, compensation, yeah. fundraising, and all that stuff. And some, and, some and people, even intellectual yeah. property. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people, especially if they're new to collaboration, they may be reluctant to talk about those things for fear of someone's going to see, you know, going to think that that's all I'm about you know, is, is financial gain or, or something, when in fact that's a smart thing to talk about, to put it there on the mm-hmm. table. So if you can learn what's possible, do you still want to be part of it? Or I'm going to walk away from this because, you know, I'm not interested in, mm-hmm. you know, enter into something legal you know, that's that's binding. Yeah. Um, so yes, yes, so yes. It's, it's smart to discuss those things, even though you may may not feel comfortable doing it. Yeah, I like I said, I kick my head, uh, kick myself in the head, in the tail, or whatever, because I thought of these people as friends and colleagues. You know, I'd known them for years. You know, and just because you work with people in one setting doesn't necessarily mean that you know them. Um, you can work with them in another setting, and the stakes are higher. The stakes are different. And and you see a whole different side. So 
the vetting, you know, as you were saying, that that's very important. You have to vet your friends, even though you think you know them. You don't really know them, and and I think you're right. Um, it's better to make people up, uncomfortable up front before any money uh, comes out. And if people are unwilling, you know, like you said, if they're not willing to enter into an agreement or they start hemming and hawing and you know get fuzzy memories, that's a red start. flag. Yeah, you trust me. <laughs> I I got horror stories, you know. I mean, <laughs> people I thought I knew. I, well, I'm, I'm waiting for I, the book. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, I got to change the names to protect the guilty, I guess. <laughs> mm. but, so you you were uh, mentioning the types of uh, the things that could be done, like memorandum of, of understandings. Um, mm-hmm. Can you expound on, let's talk about, oh, he's got a call. Oh, I, okay, no, I I don't see another caller. I just see you and I, oh, you, okay. you hear someone. Okay. Okay, go ahead. Your question, you said MOUs. Right, and different, different kinds of legal structures that um, mm-hmm. collaborations can consider. You know, are there some that are, um, more appropriate, depending upon the scale, the outcome that the collaboration is pursuing, you know, like a memorandum yes. of understanding. I think that's something that is probably basic, you know, even a small scale group could benefit mm-hmm. from, right? Mm-hmm. Right, right, and, right. And then there are partnerships, so, and then you get into those really legal, legal terms, you know, LLCs mm-hmm. and joint ventures and things like that. That's exactly right. To protect yourself. At a very minimum, minimum, get an MOU, but if you can, get a contract. And the difference between an MOU and a contract, you know, an MOU is just really kind of laying out what your agreement is, but it's not legally binding. So, but people tend to, you know, it, it helps people stay accountable and honest if you structure it correctly and we could talk about what kinds mm-hmm. of things should go in it. But, you know, that's it, it's a good way, it's a better way than have nothing, right? You've got right. the contract which is legally binding. And those are for informal groups, MOUs and contracts. Your partnerships are really formal entities. It's a legal entity, so that's even more strong. And that's usually something that may come about from your partnering on a program or coalition. And your LLCs, your limited liability corporations, that's an actual corporation. You'll see that uh, very commonly with organizations that have to do real estate development with a developer. They're creating a separate mm-hmm. company that limits the liability of each general partner. You know, so it it's like a hybrid. It gives you um, the protection of a corporation. You know, in terms of liability, you know, you got that corporate shield, but it also means you only get taxed once. You being, you know. You being taxed once versus a full corporation, you're being taxed twice. You know, the corporation pays the tax and then you pay 
attacks. And, you know, a limited liability partnership is, you know, similar to the LLC, but instead of a corporation, it's actually a partnership and you're limiting the exposure to each one of the partners and each for each partner and each partner may have different levels of liability depending on, you know, the way it's set up. And the joint mm-hmm. venture is Now, actually, I know the, the LLC mm-hmm. and the LLPs and joint ventures and corporations, they should definitely have an attorney present, right, to review those, oh, to, yeah. to set those up even. <laughs> um, what about the, that first one, memorandum of understanding? Mm-hmm. I know from a um, funder's perspective, we would – that's the minimum that we would look for even now is, is mm-hmm. I sometimes we do grants for the federal government. Uh, we want to, we want to see that in the grant application that you, that you submit, you know, show us that these, mm-hmm. these groups and organizations and entities that you're saying are going to be partnering with you, that they are committed enough to put it in writing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You think that's important? Oh, that's extremely important. And, there are MOUs and there are MOUs too. You know, some MOUs can be um, pretty detailed and some mm-hmm. are very general. So for me, I would look for things that are as detailed as practical, maybe not as detailed as possible, mm-hmm. but as practical. You know, you, you want mm, to. I like that. Uh, yeah, you, you want to understand the structure. You know, who's on board, how decisions are made. You want to know how money is distributed in the event that there is any money. You want to have uh, mechanisms for accountability. You know, who's doing the record keeping? What did each partner uh, contribute to this? You know, what are their roles? And what they commit to? And, you know, have some way... Yeah, I would even add goals and objectives and performance They're benchmarks. Very important. Very important. Yeah, because you you don't want to be in a situation where there's no accountability. And accountability, one, you want to have you want to have direction. The goals and objectives kind of set the direction, but you also want to have some related to that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Related to that, again, from the funder's point of view, it's important that um, you establish, I think, uh, an evaluation plan because if it Mm -hmm. is successful Mm -hmm. and you want to continue it and you go to funders, they're going to know, you know, how are you measuring your success on this? So it's important to consider having an evaluation plan as you proceed, whereas you said you've got your benchmarks and your performance measures there clearly identified and defined. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I can say that ideally you want this in place before you do anything, you know, whether money, you know, before any money comes together. You know, if mm-hmm. there's a group of people you want to work with, you just work with them. You know, that, you know, I I like what they do in the Humboldt Park community. They have so many successful collaborations. You know, the people in Humboldt Park are so comfortable with one another that they come together on a number of issues and initiatives and money has nothing to do with it. And by the time they go together to get a grant, you know, they have some working relationship where it's not difficult for them to come up with roles and responsibilities and 
who's on first and all, you know, and who's going to contribute. Right. What. Right. So they've already done yeah. that. Just these natural social yeah. relationships. Yep. Yeah. That mm-hmm. as opposed to you see a grand opportunity and and really you could tell you could, I'm sorry I'm dominating you you could tell us some of your experiences you've had with um, with organizations that have just come together <laughs> for the money versus those who've mm-hmm. been working together. Right. Um, never lead. Never let the money lead. Yep. And all too often we do it just, just the opposite. Just the opposite. And so my, and my I think question that's also you, good. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was going to say that that's, that's you, also good for good for the funders to keep in mind. You know, if you're if you're truly interested in working in a community or, or around an issue. Go in first to get to know the potential partners. Don't lead with the money. Don't mm-hmm. go in and say, we've got this big grant that we want to do. But start the conversation mm-hmm. solely on your passion, your commitment to whatever the issue or the problem is. Mm-hmm. And you know what? And that is so true. Um, what I loved about your work, Willie, is, you went, you know, you're working for a large, well, not a large foundation, but a very influential foundation that had significant money and impact. You came into North Lawndale community where there's you know, primarily African American, low income, very unorganized prior to the foundation, prior to Thane's Family Foundation coming in, and you actually put together you know, the infrastructure for a lot of those networks. And you did it by really becoming an organizer. You know, if if you were on the other side, if you weren't with things, you would be considered an organizer. And you did just what you <laughs> just described. You met <laughs> you met with people, you listened and and that was it. You you didn't make any any commitments and then, you know, once you would get to you know, get downtown with us you know, you would report back what you've learned uh, and share very thoughtful approaches. And we didn't feel like you were coming in to to parachute into the community. And to this day, to this day, I, I don't, you know, people may not know it, they may not say it, but many of the networks that you helped create are still there. And I think North Lawndale is a much more, connected community, even though God knows we got a long way to go, then it would have been, you know, otherwise without your work, without staying serving as convener. So I thank God for you. Give you kudos. Oh, glory to God. And all the good stuff. Great people yeah. in North Lawndale. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you were and very You know, wise. I really want to, yeah, and I think really also to, to say that uh, Stain's that that family of people, they were were committed, and you know, uh, it took. It says much about them that they were allow their staff the time, the kind of time that they allowed mm-hmm. them to get to know the community. You know that that speaks to mm-hmm. their sincerity as well. And and I think you guys were very patient. Oh my goodness, much more patient yes. than I. Um, you know, there are a lot of failed experiments. 
you know, that would have sent most foundations running. You know, and I I may have been part of some of those failed experiences. <laughs> but <laughs> I can laugh now. It wasn't so funny then. But uh, but in spite of those failed experiences, you know, the the foundation is still there. You know, yeah. they took the yeah. lessons learned and and just come back with a different reiteration of something better. Yeah, good work, Devon. Good work. Okay, Willie, we only have a few minutes left. Um, will you talk about some of the tools that folks can use, some of the approaches they can use for better collaboration? Um, you, you mean other, other than what we've talked about already? Yeah, I mean, it, it could be... I mean, if you have to reiterate, you can, or it could be other things. Um, you well, know, one I thing. Think also, we, mm-hmm. well, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Go no, you're right. No, no that's all right. No, I've been talking okay. too much. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I just wanted to say not let the word collaboration scare anyone, you know. Look at mm-hmm. it, uh, for me, look at it as more building relationships, and that would be at different levels you know, different levels of intensity in terms of the relationship, whether you're uh, short-term cooperating together because you've you've got, you know, you're in the same sector, working on the same issues, uh, faith-based groups, for instance, um, Mm -hmm. where you're coordinating, where there's more formal relationships that need to be built, or you're in that um, uh, more formal definition of collaboration where it's going to require – some pervasive long-term relationships and participants with different multiple organizations and new structures perhaps even being created to to sort of Mm -hmm. envision where you're going from the beginning. One tool that I would would encourage everyone to use is to do your visioning up front collectively Mm -hmm. in the same room. Mm -hmm. Don't buy into Mm -hmm. someone else's vision. Uh, Just get in the room and take the time to establish your vision, your mission, your objectives and your goals mm-hmm. at the beginning. It'll save you a lot of time. Mm-hmm. If, you know that will ensure that you're all on the same page, if you will. So that's that's what I would certainly say. And uh, you know, it allows you also to talk about the values of the different mm-hmm. organizations in the room. Because someone just because they're in the same community may have a whole set of values than your organization does. So, and that's important to get that up front. You know, are these people that we can work with? Yeah, I, I think so that's, that's important. That's you're, part of you're reminding me of a group that I work with, and, you know, I'm really concerned for them. You know, they're starting off, you know, it, it seems pretty pretty well. They're out of the gate pretty quickly, but they didn't take the time to do that visioning, at least not as in-depth as I would like to see them go, or you would like to see them go, um, to co- um, to develop a shared vision to really flesh out mm-hmm. those roles and responsibilities. They were so focused on getting the work done that you know they they had even hired me to help them do an MOU, but you know they never even did the MOU. They were so 
busy getting the work done that, to the best of my knowledge, they hadn't yet come together with a full meeting of the minds. And Mm. that could come back to bite them. You know, it has not yet. But, you know, I, I know from side conversations that everybody was not comfortable with the way things were going. And and you need yeah. to have those hard conversations and get that collaboration together. I mean, if you don't get one cent, if you don't accomplish anything, make sure you have a meeting of the minds as to, you know, what it is you're doing, where you're going, who's doing what. Who's in charge? And how do you go to, yeah, and how do you report out? Communication right. is is also a very critical piece. Have a communication plan mm-hmm. internally and externally because you're not working in a silo. Someone's always watching. Mhm. It's true. From on high or from below. <laughs> <laughs> Another way to hold yourself accountable. Yes, yes, yes. That accountability thing, nobody likes it, but it's so important. Very important. Okay. Um, So, Willie, we have come to the end of our show, and I thank you so much. Thank you so much for being here. I want to remind our listening audience that you have been listening to Willie Cole. She's the director of STARS Tutoring. And, And, Willie, before we go, can you, you know, give us some Parting pointers. Well, I just think that, uh, well, I hope that folks have been taking notes and jotting down what's important to them and, and thinking about what have they missed and what has worked for them. And I'm sure, you know, they want to send in something to you to say, ah, uh, here's something you didn't, didn't cover perhaps on a part two show or something or one of the articles that, that, you, that you write. It's always good to reflect mm-hmm. on. Uh, what you know, what you don't know, what you would like to know. Uh, one of the things mm-hmm. I learned in, in, in running the school, you know, that K, um, KWL, you know, I know this, and here's what mm-hmm. I need to know or want to know. And mm-hmm. afterwards you look back and reflect on, here's what I've learned. And that's, that's key to collaborations, whether you're entering into one or you're in one or you're exiting one. Sounds like a storm. <laughs> Remember, you're either in a storm, coming out of one, or going to one. Yeah, that's that's a good analogy for collaborations. <laughs> hmm. But I've enjoyed Alrighty. the conversation, Valerie. Thank you for inviting me. Sure thing, sure thing. You have to come back. You have to come back. So we'll, we'll talk about that offline. I, I really, I really okay. enjoyed this. This conversation, and and I, I thank you so much. Alrighty. Um, mm-hmm. So before we go, I'd like to thank our listening audience for listening today. I encourage you to go to iTunes and leave a review. I'm going to have instructions for leaving the review in the comment section shortly, and I'm hoping you can give us a review. Tell us what you think. And be sure to join us next week for another lively episode of Nonprofit Utopia. We will have Cecilia Conrad, the Managing Director of Awards and Fellows Program for the MacArthur Foundation, 
And she also doubles up as the CEO of Lever for Change. She'll be joined by Cindy Moellis, the Executive Director of the Fritzker Traubert Foundation, as they talk about the $100 million, 100 and change competition and the $10 million Chicago Prize. So until then, you take care and have a wonderful week and holiday. Bye-bye. Take care, Willie. Good night.